names are really interesting and important, actually. And if I could say the Hebrew names perfectly, I'd be great. But I can't. I got a North American tongue. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are reading names. And we'll talk about that today a little bit later. Ryan and Corey are here. Corey, what's going on? I'm going to be taking a look at the Ark of the Covenant and its contents. Ryan? Well, in today's reading, the Chronicler reminds us to worship and praise the Lord in all awe and reverence, remembering that He's the creator of the universe and all therein. So today, we're going to do that by examining some of God's handiwork. All right, very good. I look forward to that. Now, what did you do today? I called my segment to build or not to build. All right, very good. So get out your Bible guide. If you don't have a Bible guide, don't worry. You can learn how to get one in just a moment. We're going to tell you how to do that. And take your Bible out. That's the most important book of all. It's the book that God has made the best-selling book of every generation. And let's read. First Chronicles 17, verses 1 through 15. Now it came to pass, when David was dwelling in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in, for I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent, and from one tabernacle to another. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. Also, I will subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house, and it shall be, when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom." He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne 
shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 1 through 15. Today we read 1 Chronicles chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17. And you know it's critical that we hear God. In the time of the kings, God only spoke to a select few, such as King David and the prophet Nathan. Now remember that today we live in a very different time in which God speaks to all, all of us, through his Holy Spirit, those who love the Lord. Therefore, unlike the ancient kings, leadership is not political, but it is spiritual. You see, we must hear God. That's why we read the Bible and that's why we pray. Praying is listening to the Lord speak to us and through us, aligning our hearts with his will over our desire. Over our desire. You see, David was grateful to the Lord and wanted the Lord to be represented in something much more majestic and extravagant than a tent. Nathan first told David to do what he wanted because his heart was good. But you know, the Lord's answer was given that night to Nathan, and it was very different than what Nathan had told David the king. In this incident, both David and Nathan were wrong. God had to move in and correct both of them. I find this to be a fascinating read. Take your Bible guide and turn out to it today as we begin to explore the Word of God. And uh, if you don't have a Bible guide, we'll send you one if you write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the Bible guide page and it will take you to a donate page. I want to say thank you for your donations. They mean a lot. And uh, we trust the work of the Holy Spirit in you. But it'll take you to a page where you can download it just as it is and go your seconds away from beginning with us. And as we talk about God speaking, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to hear you because we need to understand that you speak today. You know, I, Lord, there's so many times I hear people say, I got a word of the Lord for you, but they're not really paying attention. So I pray, Lord, that we would pay attention to your wonderful word and that we would hear it and we would check your word before we take what anybody said the Lord said to us. Help us, Father, through your Holy Spirit to speak well and to hear well. Most of us need to hear better. So help us to hear you better. In Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Now, look at this. First Chronicles. I love this. This is great. Chapter 17, verse 1. Here's what it says. Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent and curtains. What's that? And then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. Hmm. You see, David was excited, and David wanted to advance God's kingdom. All of us want that, don't we? But sometimes we need to follow our leaders and do not consider God. We need to follow, we follow our leaders and we don't consider God first. You see, God gives us his word. So when people say to us, well, God is going to do this or God is going to do that, 
we need to consult with God as well. We need to pray. And as it says in Acts chapter 2, and it seemed good to us, or Acts chapter 1, it seemed good to us. That's how we need to move forward. Now, God has pastors, of course. But pastors, we're not CEOs of enterprises. We're people who lead according to the Lord. And the Lord is the head of the church. The church belongs to the Lord. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's the Lord's church. So we need to pay attention to that. Look at chapter 17, verse 3. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan the prophet saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since the time I was first brought up, or I first brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from the tent to tent and from the one tabernacle to another. Whenever or wherever I have moved about with Israel, with all of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now that's a good question. God told Nathan and David, he, that God told Nathan that David would not build a house for him. God does not see how we see. God does not reason like we reason, beloved. God sees differently. God reasons differently. Now we saw this with Samuel when he was anointing kings and he anointed David. And David was just a small shepherd boy, eighth son of Jesse, and nobody thought he would do anything, but he comes in and God says, that's the man Samuel anointed. So we don't see like God sees. God sees the heart. He sees differently. We need to hear that and understand that. All right, let's go on back to the scripture, 17, 7 to 5. Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have cut off all of your enemies from before you and have made you a name like the name of a great, of great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will also appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in the place or in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, also I will subdue all of your enemies. Furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house and it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build me a house and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father and shall be and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. According to all of these words and according to all of this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. 
Boy, that's, uh, I mean, how'd you like to be Nathan? I mean, God spoke through Nathan about the coming Messiah. And God said, I'm doing something else, David, beside what you want to do. I'm going to set up my kingdom. God's kingdom is forever. Look, God's kingdom is forever. No one person can do so much for God's kingdom. That's why we don't worship man. The Bible says you don't worship man. Nobody worships men. But what you need to do is you need to understand to worship Jesus Christ, worship the Lord. Do you remember what Jesus Christ said? He said, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Now that's important because we need to remember that when we pray today. So keep that at the front of your mind always. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. First Chronicles chapter 15 is a retelling of when David brought the ark successfully to Jerusalem. You know, he wanted it in his capital city. Uh, it was a very symbolic thing to have. Uh, so today I want to go back and look at the original uh, creation and building of the Ark of the Covenant that we see back. It's recorded back in the Old Testament book of Exodus because we can learn some really interesting things about how God speaks to his people and the original purpose of the ark. Take a look. At Sinai, God gave instructions to Moses on how to build the tent tabernacle as a sacred space. Within the tabernacle, there was to be an even more sacred space, the Holy of Holies, that would contain a gold-covered box, the Ark of the Covenant. To understand what God was communicating to his people, it's necessary to look at their culture of the time, that of Egypt's new kingdom. When we do, we discover that Egypt had many parallels to the Ark. The Bible does not call the Ark of the Covenant by the same word as the Ark of Noah or the Ark Basket of Baby Moses. Instead, it uses a word that means coffer, chest, or coffin. In Egypt, a coffin wasn't just a place to inter a dead body. It acted like a substitute body for the spirit of the deceased, a place they could return to. There are Egyptian boxes that were ceremonially wrapped in a red cloth, just like the Ark was. And with the discovery of the undisturbed tomb of King Tutankhamun, a perfectly preserved Anubis chest was revealed. These chests carried the organs of the deceased in the funeral procession to the tomb. It was a wooden box covered with gold inside and out like the Ark. It was carried by poles attached to its bottom. Its lid was referred to as the mercy seat and a statue of Anubis sat proudly on top all features of the Ark of the Covenant, except for the idol. Rather than an idol, the Ark of the Covenant had two cherubim, angelic beings with outstretched wings that met together over the mercy seat. From between the cherubim, God's presence would meet with Israel. Protective winged creatures also created sacred space in Egypt. There are multiple examples of Egyptian winged goddesses, protectors of the divine with outstretched wings whose tips touch. So what does all of this mean? 
mainly that God was using cultural imagery familiar to the Israelites to speak with them. Rather than being just another one of Egypt's gods, God was above all. Sacred, as represented by the boxes, the tabernacle structure, and the winged cherubim. Present, to speak with Israel, as represented by the mercy seat. And greater than any image, there was no idol image of God. The Ark was also a type of reliquary, a place to put sacred things. Inside the Ark at first were the tablets of the law given to Moses on Sinai. These tablets were likely flakes of stone that measured around the same size of one or two man's hands they needed to fit within the Ark. Placing them inside the Ark corresponds with the Near Eastern practice of placing a treaty at the feet of the chief god of the people. The Bible tells us that the Ark was also known as the footstool of God. These comparative studies show us that God chose to use imagery that already symbolized issues of the divine to the Israelites, but he rearranged it to reveal himself. He didn't expect them to use his language right away. Instead, he spoke to them in theirs. What I find really interesting about the origins of the Ark of the Covenant is uh, you know, twofold. We see how God used the, he used language that was familiar to his people in order to convey very deep truths about who he was, about how he was sacred. He, you know, is the only God and, and uh, uh, he's making statements to them about proper worship. Uh, and then as that you know grows as as the nation grows and moves on in time the, the symbolism of that ark in in part remains the same it, it remains a symbol of the presence of god but it also changes as the nation changes it uh, changes you know we see examples of israel misusing the ark of the covenant and losing it for a time and we even see david you know thinking that he's honoring god when he first move, moves the ark of the covenant we can read about that in you know Samuel and Kings uh, and and he's not honoring God because he's doing it the wrong way and we see here in first Chronicles 15 David has learned his lesson about how there is an appropriate way to approach God and an inappropriate way to approach God uh, which is something that's really interesting within this Old Testament context very good excellent Ryan all right, well, my segment today is inspired from 1 Chronicles 16, in which the author, in a psalm of thanksgiving, encourages his readers to worship and praise the Lord in all awe and reverence, remembering that he is the great creator of the heavens and the earth. And he declares in verses 23 to 26, Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So while man is proud of himself because he can make things out of pre-existing materials, God created everything out of nothing. Now while the pinnacle of his creation is undoubtedly human beings, as far as physical size is concerned, we're mere specks of dust compared to some of God's other creations. Uh, take the heavens for example. We can't even begin to comprehend the massive scale of the universe and the celestial objects it contains. And to demonstrate that, I'm going to show you some of the supermassive stars that God made. It'll absolutely blow your mind.
As astronomers have turned their modern high-tech eyes toward the stars, one of the most startling discoveries has been the extraordinary sizes of these great wonders. Indeed, our Sun, classed as a Type G star, is 1.4 million kilometers in diameter. Since the Earth only has a diameter of 12,700 kilometers, this means you could fit 960,000 Earths inside of the Sun. To put it another way, if the Earth were the size of a golf ball, then the Sun would be 15 feet in diameter. This is impressive to say the least, yet our star is just a small speck in comparison to many of the others. For example, the brightest star in our sky, called Sirius, is nearly twice the diameter of the Sun at 2 million kilometers. Even more impressive is the star called Pollux, which is located in the constellation Gemini with a diameter of 11 million kilometers. That is almost 10 of our suns. Larger still, Alnilam, the middle star of Orion's belt, boasts a diameter of 33 million kilometers, or 25 of our suns. However, one of the largest stars in our galactic neighborhood is a red supergiant called Betelgeuse. It is roughly 600 times the diameter of the Sun at 1.6 billion kilometers. It is twice the size of Earth's orbit around the Sun, and 262 trillion Earths could fit inside it. In fact, if Betelgeuse were placed at the center of our solar system, it would completely engulf the inner planets. However, possibly the largest star discovered so far is V.Y. Canis Majoris. With a diameter of 2 billion kilometers, 7 quadrillion Earths could fit inside this star. While some believe these incredible stars were simply an accident of nature, others understand that they absolutely reflect an almighty and powerful creator. Indeed, according to the Bible in Psalm 33:6, the Creator breathed out the starry hosts. Something else to consider is this. If the stars that have been discovered thus far are this large, then how immense must their Creator be? Isaiah 40:12 reveals that it was with the breadth of His hand that God marked off the heavens. This is absolutely stunning. You know, what's so humbling about this picture is that we're completely invisible. Not only our planet, but also our own star, the Sun, as well. This helps us to appreciate and love God even more, since He's so big and powerful, yet He willfully humbled Himself, came to the tiny little planet Earth as a man, and was tortured and crucified for our sins. He's an extremely large and loving God who deserves all of our adoration. The question is, will you accept Him today if you haven't already? You know, Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the Creator God, and He's the only way to eternal life. And none of us know how long we have left, so please don't put it off. Repent of your sins and ask the Lord to forgive you and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust that His shed blood on the cross has made you righteous in God's sight. It's very, very important that you keep in mind that He's as close as the mention of His name. So that becomes important. Remember that wherever you are, you can always call on Jesus Christ. Janice? To build or not to build, we're reading and we see again David's tender heart and love towards the Lord is God. Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. He thought, why am I being able to live in this beautiful house and yet God's house is under tent tent curtains. And you know, God, he was talking to Nathan at this, at this point, David was, 
And Nathan said, yes, God is with you. Do whatever is in your heart. And yet that night, the Lord spoke to Nathan about that. And then he said, I need you to tell David for me, you're not going to build the house. Now, was the desire of David's wrong? No, it wasn't. David had a good desire and he wanted to do for God, but God said no. And, but yet God gave the plans to David and God gave the resources to David to be able to, and even the plan forward that it wouldn't be David building that house for him, it would be his son Solomon. But uh, we, we look here back, God says to him, Have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God is asking this question. Have I ever asked you? Have I ever asked anyone? Have I ever wanted that? And the answer was no. He had never asked for that. It was a tent. It was the plans that he had given to Moses. Now he was giving David the plans for a temple that he would not build, but that his son Solomon would according to God's plans. What am I trying to say to build or not to build? Well, there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right. There's nothing that we can build that God hasn't already done the work and finished it. God sent us his son who gave his life his life, he laid it down willingly to pay for our sins. And then he came back to life three days later to give us the gift of eternal life. This home now is in us. And it's God who has done the work. He has completed that. And all we do is give our life to follow him. And it's not easy, but with God's help, we can do that. So It's not that we have, it's that desire. We need to have that desire that David did to follow and, and, and give things to God. But there's the work doesn't change God's love for us. God has completed that work it's really his true. son, Jesus. Yeah, that, that really is true. And uh, we need to keep that in mind. Again, I'm saying it again. Come to Jesus Christ. He is as close as the mention of his name and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. I follow you. Remember that we pray for you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 3.30 to 4.30. We're live on Facebook, we're live on YouTube, and we're live on Bible Discovery TV. That's very important. So join us if you can, and you can also watch it afterwards, but we'd love to pray for you. Today, we pray, Lord, I need to hear you in my life because I'm living a sin-filled world. The culture of sins all around me. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. 